0: that that heaven is a real place, and when you have someone that's a family member that's close to you go, it just makes it even more real, and uh, there is coming a day, and that day arrived for Pastor Cook this morning, and what a day, what a day, and I, I don't think it could be stated better than Brother Max has said it, but it's heavy and happy, and uh, it's great to have hope, and, and we are so thankful for that. Um uh, let me mention a couple of things, and then and then we're going to have uh, something else here in just a moment. Uh, first of all, I, I do want to thank you for the way you've bought into the idea of having an intern this summer. And uh, we, he did get to enjoy some things, but he had a great spirit and a great work ethic and took and just took a lot of initiative. And And as is the case with anyone in any situation, there has to be correction or redirection at times. And I'm so thankful for this, Brother Ben. And if you'll keep this, it will serve you well for a long time. While you have to correct direction or redirect, never had to deal with an attitude or a spirit. And, that's, and you saw that. You saw that attitude and that spirit. And that's a blessing. And whatever it was and whoever it was coming from, I'm convinced that just about anyone could have said, Hey, Brother Ben, turn take care of this. And he had been like, Okay, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the initiative he took, the hard work that he put in in a lot of ways. And so we want to – it's been great, and, and I'm thankful for you doing that. But then we also want to make a financial investment as well, and that's why we're doing that. The church is going to add to that. Uh, it's good to show – you know, our family gave us good to show that, uh, that appreciation that way. But while some students are working, saving money for a school year – he wasn't working saving money for a school year. <laughs> you say, why? Because he's an intern at a Baptist church. <laughs> you say, what, what did he have? No, I mean, we, we we made sure the necessities were taken care of, uh, but we still want to be a blessing to that. And, want, and don't want this summer to become a burden in a different way. We want it, we want it to be a blessing. and And, and I told him that. You know, from the beginning, I said you're not you're not going to get paid some kind of weekly salary. If you need something, you got to tell me. But you're basically going to get paid based on how the whole summer goes. So if it goes well, it'll go well. <laughs> and if it doesn't, it won't. And man, brother Ben, it's been a blessing to have you here. And then I just want to thank our church family for buying into the idea. It's the first time, and we praise the Lord for being able uh, to make that investment. I'm. I agree with Brother Max. I could listen to those stories, but I'm not sure who came out looking worse on that story, Brother Ben or Brother <laughs> Fiebby. So I'll just I'll just leave that at that. Um, I know if I, I need advice about solenoids or fuses, I'll ask Rothana and not Brother Fiebby. So anyway, um, and then I I need to apologize uh, to wherever she is, Miss Nicole. There there was a time so a couple of years ago, someone played Amazing Grace for the offertory and I got up here and like, that was great. What was that song? And it's like, <laughs> are, are you even qualified to be a pastor here? And, uh, so anyway, Miss Nicole, sorry, happens. Get over it and keep playing. That's all I can tell you anyway. Forgive me if you need to. All right, so... I man, we are so thankful to have Miss Cook with us and uh, thankful for Kaylee being here and Miss Teddy being here. And I man, I'm forgetting names again. Noy. I almost called you Oh Noah. I'm sorry. Noy, Miss Noy is amazing. This is John's wife, and most of you know that. And then Kelly and Robert. And it's just a, it's a testament to the direction that Pastor Cook lived his life that, the, and, and I didn't, they will tell you, I did not ask them to be here. I, I didn't even hint at that. When I left their house uh, early this morning, I'm like, I'll just, yeah, I'll do what you need to do. I love you. Let me know if you need anything, and, and then went back by to check on them later, and, and Brother Robert said, hey, we're going to be in church tonight, and I think that would make your husband happy. And Ms. Cook, nobody would be upset if you were still home, but I hope you know you're loved. Sis, we love you. We're very, very, very thankful for you. And so I, I asked Brother Robert if he wanted to come and say some words. And I, and I thought it would be good to hear from from uh, him as a representative of the family. I do want to, I do want to say this about Brother Robert. And this would be true of all of his kids. But Brother Robert is here, and so this isn't, a, this isn't critical of anybody. This is just commenting on the son who is here. And, and his, the other siblings have participated as they've been able to. Um, God God commands children to do two things with their parents based on the stage of life, both in Ephesians. Number one, children obey your parents. That has to do with when you're under their authority. The second thing is to honor thy father and thy mother. And, and that doesn't primarily have to do with saying yes, sir, and no, sir, yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. It, you obviously should treat them with respect but it has to do with caring for them when they lose the ability to care for themselves and making sure that what you benefited from them as a child, you are now reciprocating to them when you have the adult and and you have the life and the power. So you obey them when you're young. You honor them by caring for them when they they no longer have the capacity to do that. And Brother Robert and his family have done an amazing job of doing that for the cooks and it's a good example to us all and so brother robert is going to say whatever he's going to say lord bless you man Appreciate it. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> if you if you know me at all you know that i never cry so we'll try to make it through this but on behalf of um myself and my mom and uh my, my two sisters and my brother and, and our all the grandkids, cousins, we want you to know how much we have so much appreciated you. I I, I uh, it has just been overwhelming. The the love that a church has really bestowed upon uh, one family. Um, Christians can sorrow and have joy at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I we can't we don't really understand that and right. yet we do. The Bible tells us that we are not as those that have no hope. Right. And we can we can just we feel this is a tragedy to our family and yet we are so happy that dad is in heaven today. Amen. Amen. That that is such an awesome thought that my dad is presence of Christ today he gets to see Christ thank you church thank you West Valley Baptist Church thank you to our pastor and his family pastor has he spent a lot of time with our family and uh, he, he brought his wife and children to our house my mom's house last Saturday and they sang for 40 family members Special friend and Paul and Gail Clemas, thank you so much for all the the help that you gave my dad, especially when he could not walk anymore you have this church has a tremendous pastor, the best pastor Amen. I mean the best pastor Amen. but you have a tremendous group of men who are who stand beside your pastor Amen. five trustees and their wives that stand, that are godly men, that stand and represent West Valley Baptist Church and the Lord Jesus Christ. Dave, Dave, Thomas, and his wife Tina, Jim and Gretchen Selvage, Max and Carrie Tinsley, Robbie and Marcella Wicklin, and Don and Jerry Jessup, you were tremendous help help and, and blessing to my To my family in the in the last the last days of his life and to our family. I have to say something about Brother Selvage. Brother Selvage, who's all all of a sudden he's very uncomfortable in the room. (laughs) Brother Selvage and his wife have been teaching the Royal Heirs class. And I have to tell you something about this. About two weeks ago, my dad really forgot most. He was not able to remember very much in, in the last few weeks of his life. And my dad asked, who is teaching my Sunday school, my Sunday school class? And I think it was me that said, Brother Selvage. And he said, yes, the best man for the job. Amen. Best man for the job. And so, so many people have visited and called and sent cards. And we thank you. I, we have to say thank you to the, can- I, we call them the tall boys, the cane young men and just helping out my mom with the lawn and all that kind of stuff. And um, one th- just one more thing that I want to share. My dad loved souls. Yep. He loved seeing people get saved. It was a, it was a huge joy to him. And, and of all the people that came to visit mom and dad in the last week of dad's life, the greatest joy and the, great, the, the best visit he had during this whole time was, was when Miss Yolanda Kotze came to testify that she received the Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Mm.
1: That made his day. Amen. The Bible says in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Mm-hmm. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Seven days ago at 2 o'clock in the morning was quiet in the house I'm laying on the couch next to my dad who's in a hospital bed and out of the blue I don't know if he was awake hallucinating what was going on but out of the blue he quoted I am the way the truth and the life no man cometh unto the father but by me and for five minutes he preached the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ That was awesome thank you church thank you for being so kind to our family and most of all thank you for preaching the gospel winning the lost baptizing the converts and discipling men and women boys and girls to serve the Lord Jesus Christ on behalf of my dad I thank you very much
0: It's a blessing to get to minister to families and it's a it's a privilege you know god God gives us hurting people and and God gives us people that will be hurting and While there is a burden involved in ministering to them, they are a gift from god and I was had a lengthy conversation today with elena and and I want to remind you there the, these struggles, just we have these moments. This is always the danger. You have these big moments, and then you just kind of forget about it. But the struggle for them goes on. And, and you know, I, it, it, Elena made this statement to me. I don't want to be that person that always needs something from you. I'm like, sis, you are a gift in this difficult state to us and you can need as much as you need from us. It can be, it's challenging. It's a blessing. Miss Peggy, you are a gift to us. And Cook Family, you are a gift to us. And to get to minister to you is, is a privilege. And that, that's true of anyone. And we're never going to look at the burdens of people and be grossed out by them. I told a, I told a couple couple of weeks ago they just they they're new and they're interested and and they just have questions because you know everybody has a story and I just and I told them this I said look I I don't know I, I I don't pastor from the perspective of where you are where are you coming from I just try to take the approach of Jesus and take you as you are and then just try to love you and help God's work in your life we, we don't label people with scarlet letters Just preach the grace of God and and let him work. So, man, it's a blessing. I love it. Love uh, getting to be a part of it. One more story, and I do know what time it is. Brother Ben and I were going up to the hospital to see Pastor Cook, and we happened to go up there. We met Miss Peggy in the foyer, and we all went up on the elevator together. And I really did not expect that Pastor Cook was going to remember Ben. Um, he had met him, I think, maybe once or twice. And so the three of us walk into the room, and, and Brother Ben turned, as he should have. He took the spot furthest away. He let me get on this side, and and I allowed for Miss Peggy to get on the bed closest to Pastor Cook, where he was sitting in the chair. And so Miss Peggy comes and sits down. And I'm over here. And Pastor Cook goes, hey, Ben. Just, oh, yeah. Oh, it just starts. <laughs> Starts talking to him and all, all this going on. And all of a sudden he looks over and he goes like, oh, hi, Peggy. <laughs> <It's just laughs> yeah, so anyway, it was just fun. It was a, it was a great, it was a, it was a fun moment. I'm thankful for it. All right. Would you please stand with me to honor God's word? Uh, Luke chapter 1. Uh, Luke chapter 1, Brother Z, if I forget, will you remind me to mention after the service my traveling plans, just to give a reminder about all of that, please, after the service, before I step down. So Luke chapter 1, verse 34. So we dealt with a few things out of this already. This is message number seven out of our series, of Savior for All Sinners. Uh, Verse 34, Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren for with God nothing shall be impossible verse 37 is what we're focusing on tonight for with God nothing shall be impossible and Mary said behold the handmaid of the lord be it unto me according to thy word and the angel departed from her and Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth and it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost, and she spake out with a loud voice. And, and when you hear of people being filled with the Holy Ghost in Scripture, they always speak in a tongue that can be understood. I'm not preaching on that, I'm just mentioning that. And... Verse 42, she spake with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For, lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. This is an amazing statement that she makes in verse 45 about Mary. And blessed is she that believed. For there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. I want to do something a little different, not being irreverent or careless. I'm going to read verse 37, and then I'm going to read the first part of verse 45. For with God nothing shall be impossible, and blessed is she that believed. So the title is this it's not a blank check but it does mean something. It's not a blank check, but it does mean something. You may be seated. Thanks for standing to honor God's word. God wants you to be wealthy. How to make money, live comfortably, and build an inheritance for future generations. Your best life now. These are all book titles. Written from the perspective of those who would profit off of taking a statement like the one that is made in verse 37, for with God nothing shall be impossible, and completely disregarding the context it was made in, the purpose that it was made for, or the biblical precedent that is established both before and after with other principles and examples. There are what are referred to as so called prosperity preachers who, in America and in other places, they have built a ministry, a self serving ministry. Of trying to convince people that God is only concerned about their happiness, their wealth, their longevity, their career trajectory, the vehicle they drive, the house that they live in. And as long as they'll get a hold of a few select secrets in scripture, then they'll just have a gravy train that they can ride on into heaven. But that is not consistent with the truth of Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus makes statements like this. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus said this, if the world hates me, it will hate you. The Bible says this, yea, and all that shall live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer, suffer persecution. Here in this text, we see that Gabriel makes this announcement, and it's a mind-blowing announcement that Mary is going to conceive have a son call him Jesus and he is going to be the savior of the world Mary asks as you remember a legitimate question how can this be seeing i know not a man i'm not married i am a virgin i do not have a physical relationship with a man so gabriel first explains it the power of the almighty shall come over thee the power of the of the, he'll overshadow thee the spirit will come upon thee basically he explains it this way god how can this be? Okay, you ready? In a word, God. Then Gabriel gives an example of God's ability. Behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, who was called Baron, who is older. She is six months with child. And then Gabriel sums up God's ability in verse 37 with this statement after explaining how it's possible through God, giving an example through Elizabeth. Elizabeth, he then makes this statement for with God nothing shall be impossible. Well, as we read, as after Gabriel leaves, in verse number 39 and 40, Mary goes to see Elizabeth. And as soon as Mary comes into the house and greets Elizabeth, some amazing things happen where the baby that's inside Elizabeth, who we know is John and who is going to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ, that baby responds in a very unique way. Now, there's not anything unique about a baby moving suddenly inside its mother's womb, because it's not just a fetus, it's a baby. It's a living being that exists. Man, it's amazing. I got, got to hold the young blood's baby today, Esther. I'm eventually gonna get to hold Abilene, the Winchester's baby, and if a baby's born here, I get to hold it hallelujah I'll put on a hazmat suit and you can douse me with hand sanitizer if you need to but I hold the church babies hallelujah Man, and and that's wonderful. And just to think that just a few days ago or a couple of weeks ago, those babies were inside, and moms who've been through that, you know that those babies can move suddenly, and it's like they're turning into ninjas, and they're kicking you in your liver and kicking your bladder and poking you in the ribs. But there was something unique about the movement of this baby that Elizabeth recognized that there is something supernatural that's going on. And without Mary giving any explanation... Elizabeth begins to affirm to Mary what, what Gabriel had told her, that you're the mother of our Lord, and blessed are you among women. And it's an incredible, it's an incredible work of God through Elizabeth to affirm to this young, this young virgin girl, Mary, that what had been told her by the angel is indeed going to come to pass. And then she makes this amazing statement about Mary in verse 45. Blessed is she that believed. Now this brings up an important question. What do we believe about God's ability to do the impossible? Can I be honest with you for a moment? When I read like verses like this in my personal reading, man, I can start dreaming big time. I love it. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. I've seen Christian athletes have verses like Philippians 4.13 and other references um, uh, on, on their face paint or the eye black or on a wristband, or on a shoe, or on a uniform somehow. And they they give statement to this idea, or, or they give testimony to this idea, that God can do amazing things that are beyond our ability to comprehend. But when it comes to the practical application of this truth and this idea in our life, it can become very confusing, and it can become very disillusioning. You say, well, if God can do anything, and if God is the God of the impossible, then why did my child die? If God is the God of the impossible, then why did I lose my job? Now, see, if you listen to the heretics and the reprobates that promote this prosperity gospel, they'll simply tell you that you didn't have enough positive thoughts and that you didn't think right. And because you didn't think right, that's why these bad things came to pass. I heard Joyce Meyer say one time that the reason the bad stuff happened to Job, the reason the bad stuff happened to Job is because of the statement he made, that which I feared has come to pass. And if Job had just had better thoughts, then none of those things would have happened. That's heretical. That's garbage. And if we're not careful, we can be disillusioned about what God means by this. Because sometimes people do lose their job. Sometimes people do die prematurely. Sometimes a church can do what it's supposed to do and things not always work out. Sometimes we get healed. But sometimes we don't. Sometimes we get a promotion. But sometimes we don't. So what do we do with this? Well, first of all, we've got to understand, as the title says, this is not a blank check. This is not a statement that I, as a Christian, get to expect that I can live healthy and never be sick, that I can have all the money I want, that I'll never suffer financial loss, that I can have all the career success and raises and promotions. God is good. God does bless his people, but he's not sitting up there like some kind of giant garden gnome that's just waiting to give you whatever it is that you want. Please get this. I, I'm saying this passionately. I'm not angry, but I hate the misrepresentation and the, and the hurt that it's caused, people. God does not exist to fulfill your dreams, He's not some kind of genie in a bottle. We've allowed Disney movies to define our view of God more than we do the actual word of God. And God is good. And every good gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. I'll deal with that in a moment. But we've got to get a right perspective on God that he does not exist to give us what we want. Well, God, I want a bigger, I want a bigger or better. I want more of or better than. That's not why he exists in your life. I, just as a silly illustration, I love, it, I love it when my kids come to me and say, Dad, I want this. <laughs> this is my statement. Congratulations. I'm glad you're in touch with your desires that you're able to articulate them. <laughs> Go get a job. After you do your schoolwork and do your chores and all the other stuff that we're telling you to do. <laughs> so we understand this is not a blank check, but we also have to recognize that it does mean something. Now, one danger, one danger is that we claim that we have this blank check with God and that, that he never promised to either sign or cash. But the other danger is that we shy away from the stated reality of God's ability. Please understand, both ditches are dangerous. Now we would recognize naturally because of trying to be biblical we would recognize the danger of turning a statement like this or a truth like this into this blank check to where we then go out and try to benefit from God in a way he never obligated himself to bless us in but the other danger and one that a church like ours can be in serious jeopardy of is that we shy away that we shy away from a stated truth about the reality of God's ability. Nothing is impossible with him. And we can miss out on the benefit of that in our daily lives. So how do we find clarity? We're moving quickly. So please stay plugged in. Consider this. Number one. The American standard of living cannot be the standard by which we measure God's faithfulness and ability. Here's what I mean by that. The prosperity in this country is is unique, not only in our time, but in all time of history. Most of the world's Populations throughout history and even currently have not known the level of prosperity that we enjoy as what we would as what we would consider ourselves to be common citizens. I understand we have value to God. I'm not I'm not talking about that. But on the social scale, you have the one percenters. Um, as far as politically, you have the one percenters. As far as wealth, you have the one percenters. As far as influencers, and as far as I know, none of us fall into that category. And, and yet, even in, in the middle or the lower end of the spectrum, we enjoy a unique prosperity that is unmatched in the world today and in the world throughout its history in many cases or most cases. So the danger in this is that we look at things like IRAs and 401ks and vehicles and paid time off, and houses, and yachts, and all these other things, and we say, God, you provide for me based on my comfort level. Now, consider this, God gave us the privilege to live in an economy like this, because he is good. Y'all shake yourselves out a little bit, I'm not ripping us. I wrote this down. We are allowed to enjoy the blessings of being in America without feeling guilty about it. I could preach a whole sermon on this. I am not sorry I'm born in America. I'm not arrogant about it, but I'm not sorry for it. I thank God for the opportunity that it afford, it's afforded me and my family. I thank God for the men and women who fight to make it possible. I thank God for his providential intervention to bless this nation. I thank God. He's like, Pastor just thinks we should all feel guilty. Not even a little bit. Hallelujah. But there's a difference in being thankful for it and then saying, God, you're obligated to do for me Based on this unique standard, we must not obligate it to things that his word does not obligate him to. You understand that the principles of the word of God, of God's mode of operation, existed long before America was ever a thing, and they will exist long after America is a thing? And to some of you, that might blow your minds, because God doesn't promise America to be a nation forever, Number two, please understand this, that God works many times through natural laws that he's established, including the consequences of those laws, both positive and negative. One of those laws would be this, you reap what you sow. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Okay, a couple of quick examples. You're trying to be on a sports team, and you want to make the team whatever that sport is. And so you go home, and you eat Twinkies, and you play video games, and you don't practice. And you sit there and twiddle your thumbs and watch YouTube videos and get yourself all hyped up about what your grandma said you're good at. You are not going to make that team. And I don't care what your grandma says about you. You stink. I'm not a coach to make grandmas feel good about their grandchildren. But if you go there and you eat your vegetables and you get up before class and you practice and you put in some time, and you put in some effort, and you get with someone who knows better, and you say, hey, what part of my game can I work on a little bit? And you pour yourself into that. Guess what? You have an increased possibility of making that team. That's not luck. That's not divine intervention. That's established law that God made that says, you're going to reap what you sow one way or the other. Are you getting it? Apply that to the adult sector man says I want to I want to prosper, I want God to bless, I want God to provide and I'm going to pray for that. But then he never shows up at work on time. He never learns how to take initiative. He never learns how to advance himself. He's always having to be told what to do and he's always having to be checked on to make sure he's doing that. And then when raise time comes or when employee retention time comes and he's Frustrated, I I don't know why I don't have a job, or I don't know why I don't have a raise. I'm just not lucky, or God's just not favoring me. No, you reap what you sow. But you apply yourself, and you talk to your employer about how you can get better. You learn to look at others. You learn to watch the people who are successful and doing it well, and you pour yourself into it. Then hallelujah, man, you can, sometimes you can have some promotion, and God can bless you. Are, are you with me on this? There are natural laws that say you reap what you sow. I mean, I, I talked to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drive this point home. I want to be an effective communicator of the word of God. And so I, I, I pray, God, I want to be effective. I do pray this. God, I want to be effective in ministering the word of God. And I want people to be able to come to this church. And I want them to be able to eat. I want them to be able to drink. I want them to find spiritual nourishment every time they're here. Whether it's in a Sunday school lesson, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I just want it to be like the buffet of heaven is opening up through the word of God. And people are being fed. And then I go, and all I do is shop on Amazon and I, I just think about how other people are good at preaching and I maybe read a book or something about building a good garden because a lot of people like gardening Gardening, and then I decide I'm going to go to Lake Lowell and because Jesus walked around the Sea of Galilee, if I walk around it, then I'll be able to you know talk like him and then I come in here and I fall flat on my face, well God, why aren't you blessing? Maybe it has something to do with what Paul told Timothy, study to show thyself approved. You reap what you sow. God works through natural laws. I could keep going on on this point, but we need to understand that there are certain areas where God's working is through the natural consequence of laws that he's established. One of the big ones being you reap what you sow. Number three, we're almost there. Please stay with me. I'm trying to hurry. God has a specific purpose that he's trying to accomplish with every single life. In Mary's case, it was the fulfillment of the coming Messiah, the promise of a Redeemer, Jesus coming to bring salvation. He had to be all man, and he had to be all God without a sin nature, and only, only once in human history... Would, it, would an individual be born without the involvement of a man on any level? And so what Mary recognized in verse 34 is that this is not, this is not possible. How can this be, seeing I know not a man? And so she, was enter, she had entered into this realm where God's purpose came into conflict with, with these natural laws or with human limitation. And so she says, how can this be? And the the statement to her was that God would involve himself, and the point is this, that this isn't something you can cook up in a lab, that God has to exercise some divine intervention. And so the, the statement partially is this, when the purpose of God intersects with the limitations of men, God is able to do whatever needs to be done. In order to accomplish his purpose, when the purpose of God intersects with the limitations of men, God is able to do whatever needs to be done in order to accomplish his purpose. All right, here we go. You ready? God has a purpose for your life. I have a long list. God wants you to walk with him. God wants you to enjoy him. God wants you to know his goodness and his love and his grace. And God wants you to enjoy him on an intimate level. God wants you to understand more about him through his word. God wants you to talk to him. God wants you to cry to him. God wants you to laugh and rejoice and share your blessings and your gratitudes with him. God is a real, living, eternal being who wants to be your friend. No, he loves you, and he wants to walk with you. That's a purpose that God has for your life, to know him and to enjoy him forever. If you're you're a young person, God wants you to learn how to obey your parents. If you're in school, if you're going into college, or continuing college, God wants you to work hard and grow through that process. If you have a job, God wants you to apply, apply yourself diligently. If you are married, God wants you to work at being a husband or a wife that honors Jesus Christ. If you are a parent, God wants you to work at raising those children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We have a church, and God wants this church to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. God wants this church to be reaching as many people as we can possibly reach. And someone can say, Pastor, what, what size are we trying to be? We're not trying to be any size. We're just trying to love as many people as God will allow us to love and minister to as many people as God will allow us to minister to and to reach as many sinners that need a savior as we can possibly reach. It's never about a number. It's just about doing the work that God wants us to do as long as we have life to do it. Man, if you, have some, if you have some ungodly habits, God wants those to be cleaned up. If the fruit of the Spirit needs to be manifested in your life, God wants that fruit to be nurtured. And he wants it to grow. And he wants your life to be characterized by love and joy and peace. If you have a ministry in this church, God wants you to work at developing it. If you don't have a ministry in this church, a specific responsibility, God wants you to work at being involved in all the ways that you can be involved until an opportunity arises you say well I just I really don't have a title or a job you heard how influential this morning it is when one man will go around and consistently shake people's hands I love this about Pastor Cook he wasn't concerned that people know about him and his ministry experience he just wanted ladies like Stevie Van Leeuwen and Daniel Emberg and their families to know that he was glad they were here You know what that's called? A ministry. God has a purpose for your life. Take care of your house. Take care of your grass. If the intern can't do it, get your wife to do it. (laughs) If you're going to plant a garden... God wants the garden, make it a good garden. If you're, no, listen, if God gives us opportunities, do something with it. If your mom and dad allow you to have some nice things, then take care of those nice things. If you have an opportunity to do something in school, then do it well. I'm telling you, we're acting like there is no, we, we just really don't know what the purpose of God is. I have a page full of what God's purpose is for you. You know what else God wants? God wants you to be a witness. It's it's not my job. No, it is my job. But not because I'm the pastor. It's my job because I'm a Christian. Pastor Cook wasn't a witness because he was a pastor, because he wasn't a pastor his whole life. He was a witness because he was a Christian and he loved Jesus. God wants that for you. But here's the problem living out that purpose. Here we are. This is good. This is good. Living out that purpose can seem impossible. Mm. Mary, hey, we got it. This is good. Mary, God, how can you do this? I'm limited. (laughs) Angel to Mary. Yeah, you're limited to accomplish that. But God in you can do whatever needs to be done to accomplish his purpose. You know, for some of you, you're struggling so bad with some kind of habit, some kind of attitude. And you're just frustrated and you're hurting. Sometimes you're angry. I don't know how to conquer this. You know what your problem is? You're not depending on the God who can work in you. virgin pregnant, he can help you to not be angry all the time. No, if God, I love this, if God can take a virgin who's not married and put the eternal son of God in her, then I'm pretty sure he can help me to have a right attitude when I'm struggling with it. No, if God can take the eternal son of God and put him into the womb of a virgin who's never had a relationship with a man, then I'm pretty sure that he can help me to be the witness that I need to be. No, I'm pretty sure that if God, who can accomplish that in the womb of Mary, then he is able to help me consistently pray and read my Bible like I need to. How many of you struggle parenting? I'm waiting. How many of you struggle parenting? I'm waiting, I'm Waiting. Okay. I'm waiting, yep, yep, struggle with it. How many of you hate the three-year-old policy? Thank you, Maggie. I love your honesty, sis. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoy it. Your kid's got to learn sometime. Might as well start early, hallelujah. We don't vaccinate. We do indoctrinate. Amen. Okay, I don't even know where that came from. Sorry. I'm just, just having fun. I'm, so, I'm sorry. Oh. It can seem you dealing with it, you're dealing with a tendency, or you're dealing with a habit, or you're dealing with an attitude, and you're like, God, I don't, I don't know, as a parent, I don't know how to get through. But if God can work in Mary to give her that child, then I'm pretty sure that if you'll be faithful to do what God says to do in raising your children, that He can get through to that child. Say, man, God, I'm just, I'm just getting older and and tired. And can I talk about Pastor Cook one more time? He, he didn't, God didn't use him to start West Valley when he was 40. He was almost like two times that age. Something like that, close to that, in the proximity. Am I right? Somebody help me out. 70s, something like that. Man, I'm thankful for men who and women who don't check out. Like, well, if you're going to let me live, I might as well try to do something with it if you're going to give me life i might as well try to i might as well try to minister if i'm going to be in this hospital i might as well pass out of track if i'm going to be here in this class i might as if i'm going to be in this church i might as well try to teach i might as well shake somebody's hand you, you, you can get this idea that, well, I just, I just don't know how God can use me. I don't have this ability. I don't have the same opportunity. I don't have the same skill set. I don't have the same personality, whatever it is. I just, in, instead of looking at your limitation, look at the God who can take the eternal son of God and put, put him into the womb of a virgin and bring about our redemption and say, hmm, if God can do that, then God can do whatever needs to be done in my life in order to accomplish his purpose. I'm not through. i got to get to this. We have people that are hurting. We have people that are suffering difficulties that they did not cause. We have people trying to overcome challenges. Maybe they contributed to them, but regardless, there are challenges, there are difficulties. We have people that are hurt and wounded emotionally, and they, they look, and they listen, and they hear this preaching, and you say, how can God ever make me whole again how can God ever restore my heart how can God ever do these things I just want to tell you instead of looking at the adversity instead of looking at the failure look at the God who can take a young virgin and cause her to give birth to the eternal son of God and say if that God can do that then he can help me overcome my loss and my suffering he can help me to heal you know this is this is why we preach hope because when it matches up with his purpose, nothing is impossible with God. All right, look. If I, if I show up at home one day and there's a Ferrari, <laughs> praise the Lord. I mean, I'm not going to sit there and feel bad about it. I'm going to get in there and drive it. I'm going to just... Pass out tracks in the Ferrari. You want to come to our church? <laughs> that's how a lot of people take this. That's not. It's not God's purpose. That's not God's purpose for me. You know what is God's purpose? To love my children. To love my amazing wife to love and minister to my amazing church family, to walk with him, to go out and try to reach people. And just those purposes alone can seem impossible in this flesh sometimes, can't they? But when the divine purpose intersects with human limitation, God can handle it. I'm almost done, I've gotta show you this. I've gotta show you this, okay? Why don't we see more of the impossible in our lives? If he can do this, why is it so stagnant in your life? I'm not saying you specifically, unless the Holy Spirit is saying you specifically. (laughs) Why? Verse 38, look at this. Mary said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. The first reason we don't see more of it is because we want to redefine what God's purpose is rather than submitting to it. And I tell you, sometimes you have to submit to the suffering. Sometimes you have to submit to the difficulty, but this is what we want to say. God, God, I don't want this. Therefore, I'm going to try to redefine your purpose. God, I don't want to have to forgive. God, I don't want to have to move on. God, I don't want to let go of those things. God, I don't want this to be the reality of my life right now. And so we begin to try and redefine what God's purpose is rather than like Mary just saying, God, I will submit to it. Before you can ever experience his help in supernatural ways, you have to submit to his purpose in your life, where you're at. Your marriage, your loss, your job, whatever it is, you've got to be willing to say, this isn't the habit I should have, and I've got to admit this and make it right. This isn't the direction I should be living in. I've got to admit this and make it right. Number two, verse 45, and blessed is she that believed, I love this about Mary, She didn't make herself an exception. She simply believed that if God has promised, God is able. But here's another reason we don't see it happen more in our lives. We want to make an exception out of ourselves or others. We want to put ourselves in a box that says, well, God may have done that for them, but he can't do that for me. I'm so glad. I'm so glad your dad didn't live his life that way. I'm so glad your husband has not lived his life that way. I'm so glad your grandpa did not live his life that way. I'm so glad your father, I'm so glad your father-in-law, I'm so glad that man did not live his life that way. Well, God God may have done that, but he can't do that for me. No, nope. if he can do that in Mary, then I just need to believe it and submit to it. So tonight, either we're not submitting to his purpose in our life and we're trying to redefine it, or we're trying to make an exception out of ourselves, instead of just saying, "God, if you've promised this, then you can certainly accomplish it if I'll just submit to you and put in the work that you call me to do." Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we all stand together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I know, know it's been oh, it's been a little longer. Please, please be responsive to the Lord. How many of you would, would say, I, sh- I struggle with this truth because I try, I am trying to redefine what God's purpose is rather than just understanding what the Bible says and submitting to it. I struggle with that. I struggle with accepting where I'm at in life. I'm in a place that I didn't cause. I'm in a place that it, it's not something I did, and I, I just struggle with this and I need I need God's help just to submit that this is the season that either he caused or that he allowed and that he's going to use it for good in my life and I need his help to submit to that I wonder if there would be someone that would raise their hand and say that's that's me I'm struggling with it but that's me yeah I see your hands going up God bless you for your honesty number two maybe there would be some that would say I just I acknowledge that this is where I'm supposed to be but I'm just struggling to believe that God can actually do it in me maybe I've had too many ups and downs I've had some failures I've had some disappointments from other people but I'm just struggling to believe that this can be my life that I I can have victory in these areas I'm struggling with that you raise your hand and say that's me I've just battled it I see it God bless you Well, if the Lord has spoken to your heart, you respond to him while Brother Nate begins to sing.